What's Shaking Fire Nation? JLD here with an audio masterclass on three strategies to start finishing what matters most. To drop these value bombs, I have Charlie Gilkey on the mic. He helps people start finishing what matters most as the founder of Productive Flourishing and the author of two books, the latest being Start Finishing, How to Go from Idea to Done. In Fire Nation, we're going to talk about why people don't actually work on the ideas and projects that light them up the most, what you should do when others don't believe in your ideas or projects, and how you can get your project unstuck and going again, and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Online reviews help us make decisions daily, and they can also help you find the right software for your business. Visit capterra.com slash fire today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. That's capterra.com slash fire. Capterra, software selection simplified. The biggest needle mover in my business, funnels. The software I use to build my funnels, ClickFunnels, no question. Visit eofire.com slash click to start your free 14-day trial today. That's eofire.com slash click. Charlie, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. What's up, Fire Nation? Um, What most people don't know is that over the last three months, I've lost 25 pounds, man. I've had to get after it. Yeah, um, I packed on some extra weight over the years, and then a book will make you add some additional weight. And so I was like, you know, um, I got to take this seriously. So I got after it. What would you say is the biggest reason that you lost the weight? Diet, bar none. Um, I went on a, a pretty stringent paleo diet, which is really good for my body. But the thing is, bro, is like you can't out-train a bad diet. You just can't. And so I was like, no matter what I do, I got to fix that. And I layered on some, you know, I hired a personal trainer. Um, but bar none, the diet. Can't out-train a bad diet. Another way to put this is you can't out-exercise your mouth fire nation. Truth. (laughs) It's a straight truth, man. And that's brilliant. And having that virtual trainer is so key, Fire Nation. I mean, I've had Jeff working me out four days a week for years now. And yes, he's on video on Zoom, but man, he still yells at me. He still gets my form in action. He still makes sure that I am pushing it to the limits. That accountability is absolutely key. And guess what, Fire Nation? Accountability also helps you finish what matters most. And that's what we're talking about today, the three strategies to start finishing what matters most. So I have brought Charlie on the mic because he's obviously got his book, Start Finishing, on the shelves right now. So let's just dive into why don't people work on ideas and projects that most light them up, Charlie? You know, that's really interesting and it's counterintuitive because the more that something matters to you, the more you'll thrash with it. Because think about it, bro, like no one has an existential crisis over taking the garbage out or doing the dishes. Like we don't get really worked up in knots about that. But when it really matters, like that book you want to write, that business you want to start, that relationship that you want to take further, all those things are things that actually make it harder to do the thing that most fire you up. And unfortunately, I think our wiring is the opposite. We think that if it lights us up, we will want to do it more. And in some ways, that's true. But when it comes time to actually taking those steps, we don't do it. Um, And so I think starting with that is is one place that's helpful for a lot of people. And the other thing about it is as soon as you start doing that work, um, the thrashing that I just mentioned, which is that meta flailing, that sort of you're working around the project 
but not really pushing it forward. You like that rocking chair that does a lot of motion, but never gets anywhere. That's thrashing. Um, when you do that, it's really one of those things where p- many people, again, take that as a sign as they're working on the wrong thing. They see those challenges. They see that emotional sort of process and flailing that they're going through as something wrong, but that's just part of the process. And so, you know, anything that's really worth doing is one worth doing bad in the beginning, but it's also worth going through those hard parts. I love that visual Fire Nation. Think about it. Are you a rocking chair? A lot of motion, but not getting anywhere. You're just there rocking back and forth. Like, yes, there's things that are happening. Motion's happening. You're quote unquote busy, but are you producing the right content? Are you actually getting somewhere? Are you actually working on the ideas and the projects that fire you up? Now, prioritizing projects is something that a lot of people struggle with. And then, you know, once they prioritize them, then it's still a matter of taking the next step and actually getting them done. So how can we first off get better prioritizing and secondly, actually get those things done? Well, the first thing to think about is the more priorities you have, the less um, weighty each priority is. And so if you have too many priorities, you actually have none. And so the first thing that you've got to do when you prioritize, and I think this sounds obvious, John, but so many people start with a list of 17 different priorities and then try to figure it out. Um, But really getting clear that, you know, usually there are three to five things that really matter the most and focus on those and go through that sort of process where you have to understand that your reach will um, always exceed your grasp. You'll never be able to do all the things you think you might want to do. And that's just part of being human. But when you accept that, you can get down to, you know, that three to five. I call it the five projects rule, John. And it's really um, a much more nerdy way of thinking. So the, the longer version is no more than five active projects at any given time perspective. So let me unpack that just a little bit. No more than five active projects. Active projects are the ones that you're actually pushing for. You're working them. They're on your virtual or physical desktop. You're touching them on a daily basis. Um, per time perspective, just it gets easier when you think, you know, I've got five, no more than five week size projects that I can do, push forward this week. And people are like, ah, there's no way that I can do that. But when you really look down to what people actually get done, um, unless you're John Lee Dumas, you're not doing more than <laughs> three to five anyways. Like when you really look at the end of the week of things that matter most, you might push five significant projects forward at that time slice. And if we zoom up to the monthly perspective, the same sort of thing. We just look at how those projects are contained, how those weekly size projects are contained in the month size projects and so on. And once you get better at that and choosing from the beginning, like at the end of the week, these are the five thing, the five projects that I want to have made significant progress on. It's easier because it lets you filter out everything that doesn't matter. Um, and so you put the work at the beginning rather than putting the work every damn day where you're trying to figure out what am I going to do today? Or, you know, at the end of the week, what should I have done? Like you just make that, those tougher calls at the beginning. And actually, once you give yourself that, um, space to do it, it makes pushing those projects to done a lot better. Now I want to pause here because what I like people to think about is momentum here. If you finish three significant, strategic, worthy product or projects a week, and you do that every week, you will rack up so many more wins than what most people will achieve most months anyways. And so people, I think, tend to look at like, wow, five projects this week, that doesn't get me very far. It's not the week, it's stacking those bricks week after week and seeing those results. And that's how you're just going to, one, beat yourself, 
but you'll also start lapping other people who are still flailing and trying to figure out which of the 17 things that they think are priorities they're actually going to do. Fire Nation, let's talk about this for a second. If you're prioritizing everything or 17 things or 24 things, you're prioritizing nothing. Three to five is the max. And Charlie, as you said, no more than five active projects at any given time. We're on the exact same page. When I created the Mastery Journal, four focus sessions. That's all I give you any given day if you follow the process of the Mastery Journal about being productive, disciplined, and focused, four focus sessions. And if you are taking those four focus sessions and you are diving in to four specific tasks that you want to get done, and sometimes you're going to use two or three of those focus sessions for just one task because it's the compound effect of actually completing projects. You know that person that has 74 tabs open on their desktop? Guess what? they're not completing anything on those tabs. But if you just have one, two, three, four, five tabs open and your goal is to just get that done today, you're gonna win. The compound effect's gonna work. 1% better, the slight edge. It's all real Fire Nation. So what should we do when others don't believe in our projects or ideas? Like we have these ideas, we're gonna keep it to three to five, we're listening to John and Charlie, but everybody else is just like, Nah, that's just, that's not going to work, bro. That's just not going to happen. What do we do then? Well, I think you want to look at those people who don't believe in it into two different camps, right? So one are the naysayers. And the naysayers are those people who are mostly what you just said there, John. They're like, nah, it's not going to work. You don't have what it takes. You're not ready, so on and so forth. Now, the thing about a true naysayer is they're much like, you know, what Taylor Swift said about haters. Haters going to hate. They're just going to do that. They're invested in that in different ways. You're not ever going to convince them or assuage them that like what you're doing is important. So stop. Just straight up limit contact. Don't talk about the project. Do your thing. Put some points on the board. And if they really needed to see some points on the board to believe in you, then they will. But if they are going to be haters, they're going to look at your points and not care anyways. You're fundamentally focusing on the wrong thing. So those are naysayers. Derailers are different, bro, because derailers are those well-meaning people that once you talk to them, like they want to have that sort of quote unquote helpful suggestion or they want to, you know, do something that, that makes you feel worse. Like every time you talk to a derailer with your project, you feel worse. And the hard thing is sometimes the people you love the most and the people you're closest to can be derailers. So with derailers, it's not the complete avoidance that I just mentioned with naysayers. It's actually figuring out strategically how and where you're going to engage with them. Um, so that you actually can at least not have this negative force that you're pushing against every day. Because your project, if it really matters to you, it's going to be hard enough on its own. And then you have just the general pressures of life. Like you don't need to add this additional sort of weight of naysayers and derailers on top of it. But they're different. And I think too many people try too long to convince naysayers to get on their side and fundamentally um, don't. And then they spend too much time caught up in derailers. But what I really want people to focus on are your yaysayers. These are those people, John, who once you start talking about, they they believe in you. They have your back. There's like when you're talking about them, they're like, of course you should do that. I've been waiting on you to do that, right? You want to focus on those naysayers. And as you start building, I don't know how much time we have here, but there's four types of people that I like people to put in their orbit around projects and their work. Yeah, let's burn through it. Let's do it. 
Good. So there are guides, which are people who have walked the road a little bit longer than you are. They're your Yoda, as it were. They're not going to work on the project with you, but they're going to be over there saying cryptic things like use the force or, you know, be yourself (laughs) and something that never makes sense in the moment, but you understand it later. So those are your guides. The second are your peers. And these are the people that are sort of at your shoulder, shoulder, shoulder with you, pushing you forward. These might be your mastermind buddies, your co-coaches, those friends and people in your orbit that really light you up, but they're still not in the project. Third is the supporters, which are the people in the project working with you, pushing it. Now, um, what I didn't mention earlier is a project doesn't necessarily have to be like work focused. And my definition of project is anything that takes time, energy and attention to complete, which means all those life projects that you're not getting to. Um, one of the reasons you're not getting to them is because there's still ideas. We don't do ideas. We do projects. And because you probably attached more weight on work projects than life projects. Right. And so I'm throwing that in there because when you think about who's in your supporter list, it could be your partner. It could be the neighbor kids who watch your kids and animals so you can focus during those focus blocks we just talked about and get some stuff done. Okay. And then the fourth part, the fourth kind of person in here, and this is super critical, John, are your beneficiaries who will be better off when you finish your project? Why? How will their world be better? What will they be able to do because you complete that project? And what's super important about your beneficiaries is one, whenever you get stuck, you have a real person you can reach out to and say, hey, I need some guidance here. I'm wanting to bounce some things off of you. Is what I'm doing working? And you get that real feedback as opposed to some random avatar out there, some you know, 45-year-old soccer mom in Indiana who you can't reach out to. That, that's not very useful. But the second thing is um, it makes it really real that there's that particular person that you know that if you don't do your work, their life is worse off, right? When you want to quit, you can think, man, what about John? What about Sally? What about Henry? Like if I don't do this work, they're not better off. And sometimes, John, that's just the additional fuel that you need to, to get out of whatever head trash you've got going on, to get out of whatever um, you know stuff that's got you stuck. You say, you know what? Like they're there and I'm here to take care of them. I'm here to create this thing for them. And I'm not going to let go. Even if I'm able to like give up on myself, I'm not giving up on them and I'm going to see this through. Fire Nation, a lot to unpack here, but I'm just going to burn through it. Haters going to hate, 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 hate. Focus on the yaysayers. I love that phrase. Focus on the yaysayers. And what were those four? Guides, peers, supporters, beneficiaries. In Fire Nation, we have so much fire coming, so many value bombs when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Online reviews help us make decisions daily. Whether it's looking for the best restaurant or finding the closest place to get a cup of coffee, it's something we don't even think twice about doing. Another thing online reviews can help you do, find the right software for your business. Did you know you can read over 1 million real software reviews to help you find the right software for your business right now at capterra.com slash fire? And with over 1 million reviews of products from real software users, you'll get great insights from users who've been there, done that. Whether you're looking for accounting software, web conferencing tools, or something in between, Capterra makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. Join the millions of people who use Capterra each month to find the right tools for their business. Visit capterra.com fire for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. Capterra, that's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com slash fire. Capterra, software selection simplified. 
the biggest needle mover in my business, Funnels. They've allowed me to do so much, like deliver free courses to my audience, resulting in tens of thousands of leads. They've also helped me present live masterclasses to teach thousands of others of how to create and launch their own podcast, and they've helped me generate millions of dollars in sales. But I couldn't have done any of it as effectively as I have without the right software to help. ClickFunnels. With ClickFunnels, you can build sales funnels without a programmer and without knowing any code. And these sales funnels walk your visitors through the sale in a way that maximizes your conversions and earnings. And the great thing about ClickFunnels is that it's not just your funnel building editor, it's also your shopping cart, your email autoresponder, your membership software, your affiliate management software, and so much more. Join over 90,000 entrepreneurs who are actively using ClickFunnels to easily get their products and their message out to the world. Visit eofire.com slash click to start your free 14-day trial today. That's eofire.com slash click. So Charlie, we're back and the reality is we all get stuck at some point on projects that we're working on. How can we get our project unstuck and going again? See, all projects are not stuck equally. Um, turns out there are three major ways that the projects get stuck. The first is the cascade. The second is the log jam. And the third is the tar pit. So I'll go through each one of these. John, I'm, I'm laughing to myself here because if it sounds like I'm going through military frameworks, like here's the three things, here's the four thing. We both share that background and that's just the way that we think, you know? <laughs> um, so three different types of, of ways that project and stuff. Cascades. Cascades are what they sound like. It's when one project gets behind that creates other projects getting behind that then you spend more time trying to coordinate all the projects getting behind and talking to people that you're not actually getting the work done. You're just in this slippery cascade scenario, right? And so to handle cascade, you got to do two things. And you got to do them simultaneously, which is difficult. One is you got to stop taking on new projects. You just got to go like, I can't do any more because you add another one. It's just going to add to the cascade. And two, you have to start thinking about the ones that you can get off the plate the quickest um, on the end. So you got to work on the front end, meaning you don't take any more projects on. And then you got to get like medieval on those projects on the back end to start pushing some things done. Because as long as you're in the position that you are, time is working against you. You're going to keep having the cascade and things are going to keep slipping and you're going to spend more time trying to keep your projects updated, trying to keep your partners updated, trying to keep your timelines updated than if you just did the work yourself. So that's cascade. Two are log jams or the second kind is log jams. Log jams are when you have multiple types of projects that all have to get done at the same time. It's different than a cascade because you can think of cascade as like, you know, a rolling belt where one project gets behind and the rest sort of gets stacked up. A cascade is when you're trying to push too many projects through the same opening in time, much like a stuck, you know, water hose that got something stuck in and you can't push it out. So similar sort of thing. If you've got a log jam going on, you got to get something. You got to get at least one of those moving. And once you start getting a moving, you got to dislodge. Now, it's very similar to a cascade in that if it's not clear, as I mentioned with the five projects rule, saying no is actually one of the superpowers to saying yes to the right things and getting stuff done. And so anytime that someone has a project stuck or they've got too many um, ideas going on or they're overwhelmed, the first thing I'm going to do as a coach is just go start figuring out all the no's that we can say today, tomorrow, next week, so that we can say yes to the things that they're stuck on. That's the problem. We say yes to too many things and end up in this position where we have, we're carrying way too much. So log jams, you just have to think of that visual where you've got four deadlines are all due on Friday. You can't do them all. 
you know you can't do them all. Like that's where you start deconflicting. What can be kicked into next week? What can just be dropped? What can be renegotiated so that you can focus on those projects going through the pipeline? What we didn't mention earlier about the five projects rule, John, is that I really like Obviously, I use a lot of visual and physical metaphors because it helps us get out of our heads and see what's going on. Many of us are just walking around with like these huge rucksacks full of just weight of stuff we're never going to use and we're never going to do anything with. And it's in the way of those few things that we actually are going to do. Carrying around that rucksack with all the stuff in it, it does you no good, right? Project load does you no good. Project Throughput, i.e. finishing more things, is what counts. Those who finish, win. Those who carry are just tired, okay? So um, when I'm dealing with log jams, especially, that's, you've got one of those things where you're trying to get too many things going through the hole at, at the wrong time. It's not going to work. Last one is the tar pit. And we all know the tar pit when we talk about that project that for like you bring it back up, you have to fight. You have to figure out where it's going on. It's something emotionally heavy. You tug on it a little bit. It doesn't come out. It's still stuck. And as soon as you let that mug go, it starts sinking again back into that tar pit. And then you have to pull it out over and over again. Now, the thing about tar pits is, one, you're either really scared of that project. And every time you get in there, it it overwhelms you. And you think that someday in the future, you're going to be less overwhelmed and scared about the project, which is unlikely. Um, or at some core, and it may be two or three levels deep, you don't want to do that project. Because think about it, John. We don't need an accountability system to eat ice cream or whatever your favorite dessert is, right? We don't need coaches to be like, so today you're going to eat a scoop of ice cream or you're going to have three cookies. We actually need it for the opposite. The things we love to do, the things that we're fired up to do, even when they scare us, we're much more likely to do. So if something, if a project keeps falling and getting stuck in that tar pit, and you've been looking at that damn project for two or three years, and everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's in the tar pit, which you really have to start answering. It's not necessarily what steps you need to take to get that unstuck, but you really need to go into what is it about this project that scares me, or what is it about this project that is really dissonant with me that deep down I don't want to do it. Fire Nation, this process, very militaristic. Let's go through it real quick. The Cascade, it's a very slippery slope. No new projects and take care of that low-hanging fruit, those things that you can just do real quick to get those things off the plate. And again, no new projects. The Log Jam, I love how you put that. Saying no is a superpower. It literally is a superpower, Fire Nation, because remember, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to everything else you could be saying yes to, or in this case, all you could be accomplishing in this world. And then the tar pit, just sinking into that tar pit, that pure overwhelm. You need to identify what scares you or just doesn't really jive with you, Fire Nation. Those are the key things going through that. And the reality is this, we all have past failures. So what should we do for carrying the baggage of those past failures? Part of it is understanding that failure is not a character trait. Right. It's not something that it says a whole lot about you. And I think, unfortunately, people apply momentary failures in time to who they are as a person. And we end up with this head trash and these negative stories about who we are that we carry forward with us. This, you know, and sometimes it's super deep, John. So, like, obviously, most of the things we're talking about, when we pull them up to the surface and really talk about them, they always sound absurd because people are like, no, I don't think I'm a failure. But when you look at how they're making decisions, 
what they're scared of, what they're trying to prevent. What they're trying to prevent is them instantiating their belief of them being a failure. Okay. So first off is just to recognize failure is not a character trait. It's something that happened in the past. Second thing is failure is always a sign of misalignment. You either at that particular time didn't have the competencies that you needed. Maybe you didn't have the right people um, on your, you know, in your project, in your success pack. Maybe you didn't give yourself enough time. Maybe you didn't invest enough, right? There are all these sort of things that were a misalignment in that project. It's some future thing. It doesn't mean that your current project is going to be in misalignment. And when you separate a temporary failure from your identity and who you are as a person, you can look and say, honestly, what led to that failure? You know, in the army, we call these after action reviews or AARs, right? Too many people don't do AARs when they have a setback or failure to really figure out what happened. So they keep doing the same things over and over again and getting the same result. Okay. Um, just quick pro here, pro tip here. Um, when you start doing AARs, the best thing you can do is do AARs over things where you had over over um, places where you had a huge success, Ooh, right? Like that, yeah, right. Because we often like, oh, that didn't work out. Let's figure it out. But we ne- we very rarely say like, man, that was a smash hit. What made it a smash hit? Right? It's this weird thing, John. I'm gonna pause here for a second because in the work that I've done with people, the pattern that I've seen is that when there's a really big success. A lot of times people will say, well, it's luck or there are things that are outside of my control or, you know, all sorts of things that displaces that success from them into externalities. But when there's a failure, they look at their own internal capacities and say, well, it's because I did this and it's because I did that. And we have this huge disparity between how we look at these situations, right? So it seems to me that if you want to replicate success, you take those successes that you have and you figure out what made it, what made that happen and you do more of that, right? And if you want to avoid failure, you look at what made the failures and you're both looking at internal and external causes. And so just be super careful whenever you're thinking about, you know, failures and successes, Fire Nation, because I want you to own your success as much as, well, actually, I want you to own your success more than you own the failures, Right. Um, Because the more that you own those successes, the more that you can create more. Um, So think about when you're trying to shake this history of failure, think about just the fact that it's misalignment. That was a place in time. And think going forward, what do I need to do to improve, to add, to keep, to drop, to make this project successful? Because every new project is that chance to win. Charlie, there are just certain tasks that we all dread, but these tasks can and they very well likely may be critical to our success, so we just have to do them. How do we get motivated to do work that we're dreading? Yeah, I'd call these frogs, right? And I take that way back to um, Mark Twain, where it's like, you know, the sort of statement is if you have to swallow a frog first, if you have to swallow a frog today, swallow it first thing in the morning, and if you have to swallow two frogs, swallow the bigger one first. Right. And so I just sort of picked up on that. And those what I, those are what I call tasks and projects that are frogs. For instance, I hate phone calls, man. Like I will put off a three minute phone call for like four days um, and I'll do way more work trying to avoid doing that three more call or that three minute phone call than if I just did a three minute call. So it's a frog. I know it's a frog. Thing about frogs is stop believing that there's going to be some point in the future where you're actually going to want to do that thing. Right. You're not. 
If you see a frog, it's going to be a frog when you see it, and it's going to be a frog as long as it stays on your to, on your to-do list, and it's going to get hairier and bigger and wartier the longer it sits there, because then you start adding your story about procrastination and putting it off and how much you hate it to it. So I think there are two strategies. So there's one sort of the Mark Twain strategy that I mentioned before, where it's like, when you see the frog, jump on it first thing. Um, well, I'll say three strategies. The second one would be, um, proactively seek out those frogs that are growing and try to get one done a day, right? One thing that you dread, just get it done. Don't let it get hairy. Don't let it get warty. And the third way you might have to do this is sandwich the frog between things that you actually like to do. So if there are those tasks that you really just love getting into those tasks and projects, you do that a little bit, then you slide a frog in there and then you do the stuff on the backside and you can use a little bit of, um, you know, looking forward to the future and just understanding that whatever that thing is, it's not the totality of your work. It's not going to be something that hangs out with you for long. It's just going to be something you need to do and drive forward. But the thing about it is, and I normally don't say this, John, but I'm going to say this for Fire Nation. Just understand that, like, there are those things that you like to that you don't like to do, um, and it says nothing about your work. Don't create a whole story about it. Just get it done. And you know, the reason I'm saying this, John, is because so many people are like, well, there's this thing I don't like to do. What maybe it says something about my passions or my interests or my goals. No, it's just this thing that you got to do. Don't add so much story to it because um, I like to talk about the dread to work ratio here, John, which is super funny because there are some tasks that you dread so much, but the amount of work is actually not that much, <laughs> right? And so what we do a lot of times when we start adding all the story to the work we don't do and whether we're living the four hour work week or whether we're aligned with our passion is we just add more dread and more story on top of the work, but the work is still not getting done, right? Um, no matter what you do, no matter how on fire you are, there are going to be aspects of your work that you just don't like to do, right? Accept that. Don't make a big story about it. Jump on it as soon as possible. If you're in the position in your business or life where you can delegate it to somebody else, then, you know, what you do is don't dread something that you dread to, or excuse me, don't delegate something you dread to someone else who's going to dread it. Um, do what I like to call smart sourcing. Find a person who loves to do that thing that you're dreading. And there always is a person who loves to do that thing that you're dreading and then let them do that thing that they want to do. Right. As opposed to just passing this thing along and everyone hates doing the task. Right. Just don't spread the hate and discontent. Find people around you who love to do the things that you don't. And you're just going to find far more ease and flow in your work and your ability to let it go. The dread to work ratio. Think about that, Fire Nation. And there's a whole book around this concept. Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. Just eat it. Swallow it. Just get it down. Get it done. Move on. And Charlie, you've dropped a ton of value bombs. You have a lot of cool things going on right now. So break down a little bit more about what you have going on with your book, how Fire Nation can connect with that and with everything that you have going on in this world. And then we'll say goodbye. Great. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, my book, Start Finishing, How to Go From Idea to Done, publishes on 92419. You can get it everywhere. Amazon, Book Depository, Barnes & Noble, wherever you want to get a book, it's going to be there. Um, we have some cool um, bonus offers if you get want to get it early before 924. And you can go to startfinishingbook.com and you'll see all the deets. Um, that's the big thing we've got going right now. I'm super pumped about it because what I've seen, John, is that the more people start finishing the stuff that matters, the more they find their success, but more importantly than that, the more they find their happiness and they set themselves up to thrive. 
Value bombs galore and Fire Nation, you're the average. Of the five people you spend the most time with, you've been hanging out with a couple military boys, CG and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Type Charlie in the search bar. He's been on the show a few times, so all of his episodes will pop right up. They're all great. Listen to them all. And also in the show notes, we'll have links to everything, including startfinishingbook.com. So definitely go check that out. Or if you're listening to this after 924, your favorite bookstore will already have it on the shelves. Charlie, thank you, brother, for sharing your truth with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for having me. Hey, Fire Nation. Today's value bomb content was brought to you by Charlie. And if you had your big idea, well, then you're ready to ignite. But if you are still looking for that big idea, I have a completely free training that's going to get you there in less than an hour. Visit yourbigidea.io and I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. The biggest needle mover in my business, funnels. The software I use to build my funnels, ClickFunnels, no question. Visit eofire.com slash click to start your free 14-day trial today. That's eofire.com slash click. Online reviews help us make decisions daily, and they can also help you find the right software for your business. Visit capterra.com slash fire today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. That's capterra.com slash fire. Capterra, software selection simplified.